Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. Show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Halt and Catch Fire. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 8, titled Goodwill. Okay, this episode was amazing. It was absolutely phenomenal. It is freaking brilliant from beginning to end. Uh, it's such an amazing... It's such an amazing recoil from that massive gut punch that was Gordon's death. It's an incredible, standalone, self-contained character piece. A really beautifully, artfully, poetically done character piece that just takes the time and shows how every single major character mourns Gordon's death. How everyone in Gordon's life mourns his death. And it takes the time, whereas other shows would have just fast-forwarded past this, it takes the time to just say, no, this is the bleak, dark, tragic, at sometimes mundane, immediate aftermath of this horrific, unexpected, terrible tragedy that that befelled this particular set of characters. Uh, And you see how Gordon's loss affected every single one of them. Uh, How it affected his children, his ex-wife, his current girlfriend, who was unlucky enough to be the one to find his body, uh, his friends, our protagonists. Like, it just differentiates all of them, explores all of them so, so beautifully. And gives us countless, countless, hauntingly beautiful moments all throughout. Like, it's an episode that didn't need to exist. It doesn't really push anything forward. But I'm so happy it exists nonetheless. It's such an important episode just in showing the aftermath, just in showing how everyone deals with this. Uh, Also, it kind of portrays so perfectly sort of the awkward post-death ritual of going through the dead guy's house and deciding what to keep and what to donate. That's a real thing. Like, if someone close to you dies, like a friend or a loved one dies... You actually now have to go through all of their shit and decide whether to keep it or donate it. That is a real thing. That is a real ritual. Everyone has to deal with it. Everyone who's lost a loved one has had to deal with this at some point or another. No one talks about it. It is the awkward, mushy middle between funeral and moving on. 
And it is awkward, it is uncomfortable, and it can be very, very difficult. And no other show would even think to do an entire episode just about this. Let alone an extended one, because usually Halt and Catch Fire is like 40-45 minutes. This is almost an hour. And this show is bold enough to do it, and they do it beautifully in such a realistic, very appropriately mundane, very reserved manner. And, you know, there's also the other post-death rituals of, oh, how are you doing? And they kind of subvert that a lot. Joe Flout says, like, that's a stupid question. Everyone's terrible. (laughs) Uh, And Donna has that whole monologue about it's just like, Uh, How are you doing? Well, I have to say hanging in there because the right answer would be it would involve me ranting for days and no one wants to hear that. And you know how everyone after the funeral, no one knows what to say. So after how you doing, they'll just say, it was a beautiful service. Like everyone, everyone in this episode at some point says, It was a beautiful service. Like, Joe says it, Cam says it, Katie says it, all of them say it. Uh, But in the midst of this mundane, awkward transition period, there's some really, really great little mini character arcs in there. Uh, You have this one arc where Donna finds out that Joni never sent in her college applications, that Joni... Uh, just fully lied to her parents. And is like, F you, I'm not applying to college. And she and Donna get into a massive, massive fight. Joni and Donna get into a massive fight where really hurtful things are said. Donna brings up Gordon and Joni is like, Oh, how long did it take you to use him against me? Ten days? And there's just all this venom, this vitriol spitting back and forth. And Joni kind of secludes herself, basically goes on a whole campaign to make Donna as pissed as possible. She's smoking cigarettes in her room. And then Cameron goes up there and is like, hey, look, stop being a dick. I know That you're being a dick. I know what you're doing. It's the exact same thing I did when I was your age. Stop it. Because this is time you won't get back with your mother. Like, you need to cut her some slack. You need to give her a break. You need, like, she is trying. Uh, And it's this beautiful little uh, subplot of mother-daughter feuding and Cameron stepping in and sort of diffusing the situation. Uh, you have that whole quest for the sweater where Haley and Joe just rush over to Goodwill because they accidentally donated a sweater that Haley wanted to keep. And they were going through all the trash bags. A Goodwill employee comes over and is like, hey, you can't do that. Once you donate it, it's our property. And then Joe's like, well, okay, they leave, and then they plan a heist. <laughs> I say plan. What I mean by plan is Joe tells Haley to keep the car running, 
And then Joe runs in, grabs the bag he thinks the sweater's in, and then runs out. Uh, And it's this, like, quick moment of just delightful, wholesome brilliance in the midst of all this tragic mourning. And they're just, like, doing this crazy thing, stealing from a Goodwill, stealing this random garbage bag from a Goodwill... And Joe tears it open, and it's not even the right bag. It's just some random person's shit. Uh, nothing belonging to Gordon. And it's... It's so good. It's so... It's such a brilliant moment. Uh, it's this great moment of levity uh, that really adds some fun to an otherwise very, very tragic hour. Uh, Katie shows up at one point. I kind of mentioned this before, and she sort of makes the rounds. She talks to Cameron and is like, yeah, I'm I'm moving to Seattle. There's just too much Gordon here. Like, literally, she cannot physically exist in California anymore without seeing Gordon, 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 everywhere in Comet, everywhere in... Uh, everywhere, basically. So she needs to sort of... Get some time away. She needs to move on. She needs to find another place to... that A Gordon-free zone to sort of figure things out. Uh, she has a talk with Donna at one point. They have a whole conversation about what Gordon was like. And they were swapping memories. At one point, Katie confesses she was kind of jealous of Donna because of all the... All the moments she spent with Gordon that she didn't get to. And then Katie comes across the spot where she found Gordon's body. And it's just stunned and just completely becomes motionless. And is like, I gotta go. And then just rushes to her car, sort of breaks down a bit, waves goodbye to Haley, and then leaves forever. It's like, oh, oh. Like, as much as everyone here, as much as all of our protagonists are mourning the loss of their friend slash uh, ex-husband slash father, as much as Everyone is reeling from this. Like, I can't imagine being the one to find your loved one's corpse. Like, that just... It's horrifying to me. I can't imagine anything more traumatic. So, whatever everyone else is feeling, she is feeling a much more potent version of that. I don't want to say... She's feeling it more, uh, but she's feeling a much more potent version of that trauma. And it's just like seeing these last moments of Katie, who up until this point was a very bubbly, very likable, uh, very fun side character. And now you just look at her and you're like, oh, oh, like, like, I just want to give her a hug. Because she needs it. Like, she's just... She's had a rough go of it. 
in these last couple episodes. She really, really has, and she's experienced. She's experienced something that cannot be unseen, basically, and I just, I can't even imagine that. Like she's one of the, she's probably one of the most tragic characters in this entire show, quite frankly, because she met this great guy, uh, this very nice dude. She formed a relationship with him. And just when they were getting into it, just when she was, like, establishing a rapport, learning more and more and more about him, and becoming closer and closer and closer, she found his dead body. When they were just starting a really good thing. Like, just, oh, oh, my heart. And there's another, oh, my heart moment. Uh, When Donna and Cameron sit down... And Donna gives that whole monologue. They have that whole exchange of dialogue about the whole, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you? How are you? How are you? Problem. And then the conversation gets very real. Uh, The conversation turns to Joe wanting kids and Cameron not wanting them. And Donna's like, no, if you don't want kids, then don't have kids. Like, you have to really want it to be halfway decent. And even then, it's a struggle. And they sit down, they cry about Gordon a bit, and it's this really cathartic moment, and then they even come to a reconciliation about one another. Because remember, they've had resentment for each other for years now. They've been harboring ill will since the end of the mutiny days, since 86. It is 1994 by this episode. They've been harboring resentment for one another for eight years. And now they're finally sitting down and saying, what the hell are we doing? This is stupid. Like, no. Like, I've... Donna flat out says to Cameron, I miss you. And it's like, I've spent so much time telling you everything you've done wrong. And they have this cathartic reconciliation moment where you're just like, finally, thank God, (laughs) they're friends again. About damn time. And then you have that glorious, glorious ending where it's just everyone's at the dinner table. After a long day of mourning the loss of this wonderful, wonderful human, they're all just sitting down having dinner, having some Abaz's chili, exchanging stories, laughing, having a good time. And in that moment, like, yeah, they're still mourning. Yeah, they're still getting over this loss. But you kind of feel like everything's going to be okay. You kind of feel like in that moment, everything's going to work out. You kind of have this thing in the back of your mind, like, they're going to get over this. They're going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. And it's this nice little uplifting send-off. Uh, and they made a very good choice having this book ended with flashbacks to Gordon and Donna's early relationship. After they had just gotten married, after they had just had Joni. Uh, this one fight they had where Gordon stormed off and went on his own little adventure and then came back. And it just like was this nice ode to Gordon and Donna's relationship. How it was just like, they'd be happy, something would occur, the wrong thing would be said, they'd fight a bit, 
they'd stew in their corners, but they'd always come back to one another. It's this nice little ode to that whole relationship. It's this nice little ode to what made Gordon so such amazing, such an amazing character. Uh, what makes both Gordon and Donald such amazing characters? Both of them, like they are complex. Like Gordon was a flawed man. Gordon was not a perfect human being. Gordon would say and do things that are absolutely stupid and abhorrent. But every time he would call himself out on his bullshit and then come right back and realize, I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. You can just see that from the fact that Gordon was like, hey, we're not going to move to Texas. That's the worst thing. And then eventually he decided, you know what? We can move to Texas. That's fine. Like, Gordon, at the end of the day, as stupid as he was, as flawed of a man as he was, he'd always come back. He'd always recognize when he screwed up. And he'd always make up for it. That's what made Gordon such a good person. That's what made Gordon such an interesting character. And it's why... It's why he will be missed in the universe of this show, quite frankly. It's why his death is so tragic. Because for the first time, he's not coming back. Man, I have to transition from that to plugs? That's the... Why did I... Damn you, poetic tragedy plot points. You're making my life a hell of a lot more difficult than it needs to be. Just saying. Anyway, we got two more episodes left in this series. They're gonna be real good. Uh, Get ready to see how this will close out. Uh, If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 9. Talk to you then.